Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Being prepared for an emergency takes many shapes. For some, it may be having a bag of emergency supplies. For others, it might be a pantry full of canned food. And for others still, it might be an underground bunker. He put about $10 million of his own money into building what I can only describe as an inverted skyscraper. What does it mean to be prepared in the event of an emergency? I'm Brian Fisher, and this is The Daily J. September was National Preparedness Month, a month dedicated to making sure people are ready in the event of a disaster or emergency. But that got me thinking. What exactly does being prepared look like to different people? There are definitely kind of different classes of preppers. You know, there are those who are coming out of the woodwork and preparing, you know, for the end of days, some of them more really just preparing for any kind of crazy scenario. Most of the people that we see, though, are kind of your everyday Joe, everyday Jane. You know, they're, we get a lot of families coming in with their kids and they're looking for ways to be just a little more prepared. You know, they're looking for products for uh, water filtration. They're very interested in renewable energy. And they're looking to, to learn skills in, in the event of any sort of emergency in case the water supply is cut off or the energy supply is lost or, you know, we are cut off from our regular everyday services for days or weeks at a time. To be a little more prepared and have things on hand as well as have knowledge to get through those times. That was the voice of Kyle McNall, and he is the Director of Operations for David Castle Grant & Associates, and they run the Great Lakes Emergency Preparedness Expo here in Michigan. The expo, which runs every September in Imlay City, looks to cater to both those looking to prepare for small interruptions like a power outage, as well as big interruptions like the apocalypse. We've actually been doing the show uh, for 10 years now. We started it in 2013, and it's kind of a passion for us. We do uh, other events and uh, media around the country, but being located here in Michigan, this is really an event that's just kind of a passion for us that we like to put on for the, the community. It's focused on really everything you, your family, or your home needs to be prepared for any type of emergency. It's not just doomsday scenarios. It's We have a wide, wide range of exhibitors who do have either from survival products to more of a homesteading touch, really looking to learn how to be more self-reliable. We always have invite out the local first responders and emergency services. They're always on hand with their vehicles for the kids to tour through and emergency handouts to give to folks. And then we have guest speakers throughout the event talking about various aspects of emergency preparedness or just the self-reliance kind of homesteading. Many people assume being a prepper means having a bunker and preparing for nuclear fallout. But as Kyle shared, it can also mean simply being ready for the loss of utilities. Dr. Bradley Garrett, the author of Bunker, Building for the End Times, and five other books, explains that simply having an emergency kit can help you in an emergency, whether you need to stay in or evacuate. So preppers like to break it down into two camps, bugging in and bugging out. 
So a bugging bugging in scenario might be a situation where there's violence outside and you need to lock your door and stay inside. Or it could be a snowstorm where you're trapped in your house. You know, those are everyday situations that people have to deal with. And those are bugging in scenarios. Now, there are other scenarios like a wildfire where evacuation or bugging out might be your best plan. You know, that would include having your vehicle packed with supplies, having your documents, you know, car titles, birth and marriage certificates, things like that, in maybe a fireproof case that you can grab and be out the door with. And I think most importantly, having a, a bug out bag, you know, a backpack with three days of supplies for yourself and your family so that if you need to evacuate almost instantly, you can grab those valuable things, grab your pets and be out the door. The Expo can be a great resource for Michiganders to use whether they want to learn how to build an emergency kit or learn basic survival skills. But what supplies were popular with preppers when supplying themselves for those scenarios? Back to Kyle. Some of the most popular items are obviously self-stable foods, and not necessarily MREs, although MREs are a common one you see there. But there's a lot of other you know, kind of sustainable or shelf-stable type survival foods out there that people do keep on hand for a long term. Of course, folks can also just keep their own rather stable canned goods, box goods, things like that, to have enough food on hand for a period of time you may not be able to get to the grocery store. Water filtration is always uh, of high interest, um, either whether it's large containers for water storage or water gathering for rain barrels or smaller water filters and things along those lines. Also, a lot of kind of outdoor kind of survival camping gear, things along, you know, kind of more primitive things that if, again, you don't have everything available at some time, you're able to kind of go back to the basics and get by with that. While prepping can be as simple as an emergency kit, it's not like there aren't preppers getting ready for the apocalypse. In Battle Creek, Michigan, there's a house for sale that includes its own 5,000-square-foot underground bunker. And Brad himself has seen one that dwarfs that Battle Creek one. By far, the the most impressive facility that I saw was the survival condo in Kansas. It was an Atlas F missile silo. So this was a nuclear missile silo that was built during the Cold War. And after the Cold War ended, the uh, warheads and the missiles were removed from these silos. And one of them was purchased by a property developer named Larry Hall. I think he purchased it for $330,000 from the U.S. government, which is astounding given the millions that it would have cost to build it (laughs) in the first place. He purchased this and put about $10 of his own money into building what I can only describe as an inverted skyscraper. So it's 15 stories, but it goes underground rather than above ground. The facility was absolutely incredible. Um, He had a, a shooting range down there, a cinema, a bar wind power, solar power, battery backups, five years of diesel fuel, aquaponics facilities to grow food and fish. Um, He even had a grocery store in there that kind of looked like a, a miniature Whole Foods. Prepping has existed in some way, shape, or form for centuries, and it happens all over the globe. But it did nearly die in Michigan in 2019. That was until the world came to a halt. Back to Kyle. In 2019, 
we weren't sure if we were going to do this show anymore. And then the world kind of ended. And people started contacting us from all over saying, we need an emergency preparedness show again. You know, people started to realize that emergencies do happen. And not just cutting your finger or a car crash or a house fire, but something on a mass scale that can really change the way we live. Uh, or change the, the, the end of the world as we know it, as they call it. Um, things changed. The world changed. And our lives have changed going forward. And people are starting to realize that they need to be a little more prepared, a little more self-reliant. That's been the big focus. And I don't think there's definitely people who are afraid of, you know, preparing for war and, and bombing or financial collapse. We're dealing with tons of financial struggles right now with inflation. So it, it, it shifts with the times, of course, what people are preparing for and who, and who is preparing. Brad expands on this by emphasizing how the pandemic made people realize the importance of being proactive rather than reactive. I think particularly in those first couple of months, the uncertainty that everyone felt, that sort of shock when they went to the grocery store and found that the, you know, the aisles were empty, the pasta was gone, the toilet paper was gone, the water was gone. You know, there was a lot of talk about people hoarding supplies at that point. But the problem was that people were responding to the emergency during the emergency. If people had been stockpiling those supplies, beforehand, some people might have thought of that as hoarding, but it would have, again, taken some pressure off of that infrastructure because those people who already had their supplies stocked, they don't need to make a run on the grocery store to clean out those supplies and that frees up stuff for other people. So, you know, COVID made people both aware of the fact that things can fall apart and they can fall apart very quickly. And perhaps the coronavirus did provide a powerful lesson for people. A recent survey by FEMA shows after COVID, many more people think that they are prepared to survive on their own. Here is Brad one last time. There's been some really interesting research that came from Dr. Chris Ellis at Cornell University, where he looked at FEMA data. FEMA does a, a household survey every few years where they ask people how long they could survive if they were totally disconnected from, from infrastructure. So if they had no running water, no electricity, no access to grocery stores even, or, or gas stations. And they've asked people how long they could survive. And the, the really surprising statistic after COVID is that over 13 million Americans say that they can survive for 30 days or more on their own, which is kind of incredible. That's a, that's a huge percentage of the population. Emergencies and disasters may be uncommon, but as we all know, they do happen. So to best protect ourselves, we should at least do the minimum to prepare. Thanks to Kyle McNall and Dr. Bradley Garrett for lending their expertise to this episode. And as always, this podcast wouldn't be possible without WWJ's digital team. Check out WWJnewsradio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Make sure you don't miss out on new episodes of The Daily J by subscribing using the Odyssey app or get it wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brian Fisher, and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening.